Uh, well, it's uh, wonderful for me to be here and uh, welcoming those in Onzo Square as well. I, I, whenever I'm connected back at HTB over the years, I, I, I'm always impacted. I guess partly when you, one's got history in a place, uh, that it's emotional in that way. But, but more than that, it's, the, it's what you and the leadership have built into me over the years, your wisdom and your uh, generosity. Often uh, when I'm in Brighton, not quite sure uh, what to do personally or with the church, I often think to myself, you know, what would Nikki do? Or uh, what would HTB do? And I find that that's generally the right answer. And uh, really excited to be uh, spending the day and to talking uh, through today as well with you. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we were lucky enough as a family, Sam, my wife and our children, to go on holiday uh, to spend half term down in Cornwall. And uh, so we got all packed up and our children in the car and all the luggage in the car and then we set off. And as we were driving from Brighton down to Cornwall, uh, we asked the children... Who are you most looking forward to seeing this week? Because this holiday that we have every year, we always put it in the calendar. It's a a particular kind of holiday. We go with a whole bunch of friends that we've been on holiday with for years, about 18 children altogether. And so our eldest, he says, well, I can't wait to see Reuben and his friend Jonah and Barney. And our daughter, she said, well, Tilly and Millie, I can't wait to see them again. And then our other son, he said, well, there's his special friend Sam who's going to be there. And then we were chatting and there was a little voice from the back because our youngest, there's not so much room for him in the car. So he sits right in the very, very back amongst all the suitcases. <laughs> and so he was trying to say something, but we couldn't hear. And we, we turned down the radio. We said, shh, well, what's that? He said, who am I going to be playing with? Because he's in that funny time where he's got no one in our group who's exactly his age or his year group. But we obviously assured him, and actually he had a fantastic week like uh, the rest of us did and connected uh, with all sorts of people and loved it. Who am I going to be playing with? I reckon that's a question that all of us ask from time to time. Maybe we're in a social setting that we're feeling a little bit nervous or apprehensive about. Maybe it's to do with our work in the office. Who am I going to play with? Maybe it's uh, with our extended family. Or even in church, you know, you can be in a place and yet still think that everybody else like, gets it more than you do, or that they've been at it longer than you have, or that they're somehow more experienced or more spiritual, or who am I going to play with? I want us to look at that question and to try and explain how each and every one of us can be part of the most extraordinary thing. And we read about this in the New Testament where uh, the Apostle Paul writes to a particular church grouping uh, in Corinth. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 12 from the message translation. Uh, It's a little bit different, some of the words. And so you can listen uh, as I read. He says this, each person is given something to do that shows what God, who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. You can easily see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. 
But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek or slave or free or black or white or male or female or 9.30 or 11.30 or Brompton Road or... You get it? are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part thrown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, be a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Then he says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention, the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part's involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. We must never forget this. So what Paul is facing here is a a situation, like many communities, many churches, I guess, where you've got a whole mixture of people. I mean, there's people who are very educated, people who are less educated, people who've had this life experience, people who've had that life experience, people who've been Christians for a long time, people who haven't. Now, how do you put the whole thing together so it really works? How do you get everybody feeling that they're notable and noticed and needed and known and noteworthy? How do you... Who am I going to play with? And so what he comes up with, and he realizes that this is a a critical question, because if he can answer this issue of who am I going to play with, then he's going to create or be able to create a unit that is going to be so powerful in the world, have a, a, a life changing phenomenon in the world. Like Jesus prayed in John 17, that the, the unity, that the oneness, the, the unit aspect, the coming together of all these different people would in and of itself be evidence to the world that Jesus loves you. And so what he comes up with is this amazing model, this picture. He says, look, you, you don't need to look any further than your own body. You've all got a visual aid for how this works, right? Anyone not got a visual aid? Okay, so he says that your body is made up of lots of parts, right? Ones you see, ones you don't see, ones you mention, ones you don't. When all those parts are put together, it it makes a body. In the same way, he says, each and every person here, when you come together, you create, you make a body. You represent Jesus Christ on earth. It's brilliant, isn't it? 
Such a good analogy, such a good model. He says, so that you can say to your friend who's asking you about God, hey, hey, look, I'll show you what Jesus looks like. Come with me. So you bring them to Alpha or to your connect group or to the homeless drop-in or to a Sunday. And when they discover, what do they discover is this extraordinary warmth and welcome that's here. This grace and this acceptance and this hope, this healing. And they say, you know, I've always wanted to know what Jesus is like. And now today I, I see it. Because it's like I've walked into him, into his body here. By all these different people representing him with their different parts. Now that's the story of many people, I'm sure, who have come to hear this church or lots of churches. I'll give you one example from our place in, in Brighton. Somebody who's recently started coming. And she said this, church for me is a beacon of hope and goodness. And when I walked through the door, I felt no judgment and was reminded that the good in the world outweighs the bad. My only wish, she said, is that I'd walked through the door sooner. How come she feels like that? It's because she's walked into the body of Christ. She's discovered in us what Jesus Christ is like. His mercy, his goodness, his grace. Now, if this is true, then it means that for each and every one of us, it answers the question, who am I going to play with? And it helps us to see the part that we play in something that is extraordinary. And it means two things. It first of all means that every person, every part is significant, is needed, is necessary. It's what Paul says here. Each person, in other words, every person, is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. In other words, you need every part doing its thing. I was interested that this year, for the first time in the Football Premier League, there's a new award which is being given. It's called the Playmaker Award. And it's given to the player in the Premier League who has made the most assists. You know, an assist is something that has only actually recently been statistically measured. But it's the person who passes the ball to the person who scores the goal. And Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City scored the most assists, 16 this season, and won the Playmaker of the Year award. I'm no Man City fan, but it may be of interest to you that the top four assist makers in the Premier League this year were all Manchester City players. Maybe that gives us a clue as to why they won the league by so much and scored a record 100 points. Because you need everybody doing its thing. And what Paul is saying here, what he's fighting against, is one of our greatest battles, which is dispensability. My contribution doesn't really count. It doesn't really matter if I'm here or I'm not here. I won't be noticed whether I've turned up or I don't. So I can quietly withdraw. Dispensability. 
remember a friend of mine, wise friend, saying to me about actually about the church community. He said to me, you know, people in church over time, metaphorically speaking, they don't move, he said, from the first row to the back row, metaphorically speaking, because, you know, they're more bought in and sold out than that. But they can often move from the first row, metaphorically speaking, to just row three. They just quietly remove and withdraw. Maybe I don't make much of a difference. Maybe what I bring doesn't count. When you look at the history-changing moment of the cross, you see that every person's part is needed. Two disciples, we don't know their names, go to fetch the donkey that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Simon of Cyrene, never heard of him before, never heard of him after, carries the cross. Joseph of Arimathea, who was he again, not be mentioned before? He supplies the tomb for Jesus. The vision, the church, the kingdom of God is built on every person playing their part, known, necessary, significant, so that the whole puts on display evidence that Jesus is alive. The second thing that this must mean and how we answer that question of who do I play with is that the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. Again, he puts it like this. We all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life. Would anyone else here like to live a larger, more integrated life? You know, friends of ours back, um, back at home in Brighton, uh, last Christmas, they, um, I remember talking to them about their Christmas plans. They said, actually, well, normally we go and visit extended family around the country, but this year, it's just going to be us, and we can't wait. They've got two small children, and they say, we'll go to church on Christmas morning, and then we're just going to have Christmas Day together. And I remember asking them in January how Christmas was, because they'd been really looking forward to being just them. And they said, well, actually, funnily enough... I don't think we'll do that again, they said. You know, um, it, it, it was nice just the four of us. We went to church, but it kind of felt just like coming back for like a normal Sunday lunch. And we discovered that actually we're better as a family when we're attached to our wider family. So I think we'll do that again next year. Never make your life just about your life. Never make your circle of friends just about your circle of friends. Never make your group about your group. Never make your family just about your family. And never make your service about your service, your church, just about your church. We're, we're better when we attach ourselves to something that is greater than, wider than us. Yeah, but by contrast, last Christmas, I don't know why, it seems funny talking about Christmas on a boiling hot day in June. But last Christmas, actually, we, we did spend Christmas with a more extended family. We went off uh, to my brother and his family who live in Oxford, and we went on Boxing Day. And to be honest, it was um, quite a business getting there. 
We had to load up all the car, our presence, their presence, all the children, all the luggage. And we only fought two nights. Then we sat for hours in bad traffic, making our way to Oxford. And when we got there, we, we all slightly crammed into a house that isn't quite big enough for both our families and the extended family. And the beds were maybe quite what we were comfortable as what we were used to. And But, but you know, our kids had like an amazing time with their cousins. And my brother, I don't see my brother all that often, but I had two, in those 48 hours, I had two really great conversations with him. And I was just reminded about what a fantastic guy he is. And then my niece, she's, um, I suppose she's had us struggling a little bit over the last year before that. And it just felt like as a family, we were able to get around and encourage her. When we came back, I said to Sam, as we sat again for hours in traffic on the M25, I said, was it worth it? Absolutely, it was worth it. Because somehow it, it grew the Coates family in the UK. <laughs> you know, we are who we are now, partly because we had that experience together. You know, when I think about focus, I, I think in those terms. I think of it like being a, um, a family which is on a mission. We take our own family, either our nuclear family or our church family, and then we attach it to something that is greater and that is wider than us because the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. And sometimes it can feel like an effort to get there. You have to pay, you're maybe not so used to camping. There's different accommodation options. I realise that. And if you've not been for the first time, there's, there's a fear of like the unknown and all that kind of thing. But the cumulative effect, it grows us. I mean, if it was just about community, <coughs> we can do that in other ways. I mean, there's a barbecue, isn't there, after the service? If it was just about me growing deeper in my faith, I could... Well, I can listen to podcasts or worship. But when we get together, there's an added ingredient that happens, which is the Holy Spirit. And I think this is what Paul is saying. Each of us, he says, is now a part of Jesus' resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. I wonder whether he had in mind the day of Pentecost, where it says in the beginning of Acts that when they were all together in one place and the Holy Spirit came upon them in mighty, mighty power. You know, some of the most precious, powerful times that I've had with God have been just me and God, one-on-one. -on -one. But there seems to be something which is exponential, in its impact and its effect that happens when we are, take ourselves and attach ourselves to something that's more than just us and God. I don't know, is it the unity? Is it the, the expectation of those occasions? Is it the, the sacrifice that we make to be there? But I cannot help feeling that maybe one of the reasons why God has allowed and been, uh, it's been so much traction, if you like, through what God has done through HTB and through our network of churches. I wonder whether it's the cumulative impact of us getting together year on year at somewhere like Focus. If Focus is going to work like a family on a mission, 
I guess it, it has to succeed in, in these two ways. The first is that it has to be a really brilliant community experience for each one of us to help us to find the people that we want to play with, the connections. It was a lot of time and planning that goes into the, if you like, the villages and the clusters and the, uh, and the community aspects. It, it's so important to us in our busy lives that we have time to, to hang with people and to make friends. One of the guys in our church says that focus is the only time in the year where he doesn't feel like he's on his own. You know, I will run focus for just that 60-year-old man if it means that for one week of his year, he doesn't feel lonely. But, but the other thing that focus, I think, if it's a family on a mission, needs to succeed in is it needs to give, I suppose, what we would call a narrative. It needs to give each and every one of us a reason as to why we want to attach our part, our lives, to something that is greater and more expansive than ours. A journey that we're all on together. And if you've um, been to Focus before, there's a special moment, and we'll do it again this year, where we send out and pray out the new church plants that are happening from here around the country. This year it's Bristol and Southampton and Swindon. Hey, but before we do that, Whatever happened to the three that we sent out last year? To Coventry, wasn't it? And Derby and Crawley. What happened when we sent those out? Well, let's hear some stories, not just statistics of how many people are going, but let's hear a story of a saved life because we did that as a family last year, sent out that church. You know, there are some amazing stories from around the churches that you've planted from here. I can't wait for you to meet at Focus Fran from Portsmouth and Megan from Hastings and Dean and Rebecca from Plymouth. And that's why I'm sort of still so committed personally to, to helping each and every one of us get to Focus because I, I don't want you to miss out on what I think God is going to do through us being together because the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. That's why we've given like, lots of different things to try and help people be there. 20% of every ticket for every new person. Because you know, if you're looking at this anew, that's quite a hurdle. Because there's always a fear of the unknown. So how can we help that barrier and convince you to come? Uh, accommodation, not everybody's into camping. So, well, look, can we lift the food problem off you? Do meal deals or different ranges of accommodation? Um, amazing speakers, Christine Kane. R.T. Kendall, Amy or Ewing, Pastor Agu. Um, we go um, as team, Sam and I, we, we, we join the team for Focus, partly because it's more affordable that way. You get a discount if you're on the team, and it means that we and our whole family can go a bit cheaper. But actually, that's the other thing about being on a team, of course, is you, you often feel part of things more. You know, when you've got a little part to play and you meet other people who are doing the same, you, you could tag team. We were doing that with the kids team, for example. So you could buddy up and one of you do, well, I'll do two mornings with the kids and you do the other two mornings with the kids or however. But look, hey, I haven't come up from Brighton to persuade you to come to Focus. <laughs> I think there's more in the mind of Christ than our camping experience, good as it will be, in the new forest.
and that what Paul is really striking at here and what he's challenging in each one of us, I think, is a kind of independence or self-sufficiency that I know is certainly in me and maybe in each one of us in some way or other. The kind of individualistic self-preservation, let's just have Christmas on our own this year mindset. And this is, if I'm really honest, this is my issue. It's self-sufficiency. I can manage on my own, thank you. It's independence. It's actually, if you continue that line, it's, it's, to be honest, it's pride. I don't think I need you. I have my God and my way of relating to him, which works for me. And then I have my circle of friends and my church and my group, and I, I know how I like things. And so I, I don't need you. And what Paul is trying to give us, I think, is a vision of the power that is in interconnectedness. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves are no longer useful. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You know, on one level, we read a verse like that and not one of us has a problem in applying that to our own circle. You know, if one of my members of my family is hurting, I feel the hurt. If a member of my friendship group is celebrating, I go out and celebrate with them. But what Paul is saying is, could you imagine the day where you take that metaphor and that analogy and you expand it to become about people who are not just like you or people for whom there is nothing in it for you? Or people who live in other parts of the country who you maybe have never even seen before. Different groups and different services and different churches and different cities. So that the best thing that is happening right now in your life, Archie, is not what's happening just in Brighton, but it's what's happening at HTB. And the best thing about HTB is what's happening in the church that we planted in Nottingham. And the best thing that's happening in Nottingham is what's going to happen in Bristol. And if the church plant in Gateshead should stub its toe, then I feel it all the way down in the church that we planted in Plymouth. Because... I am St. Peter's Brighton, but I also, I am HTB, and I am Nottingham, and I am Bristol. I am Gateshead, though I've never been there. <laughs> and I am Plymouth. Paul puts it so simply, he says, we need something larger, more comprehensive that will put on display to a watching world what Jesus is truly like. His beauty, his magnificence, his grace, his acceptance. He who gathered around the same table beggars and tax collectors and teachers and lawyers and fishermen and prostitutes all together. 
because the sum of the whole is greater than that of any individual part. Focus. It's spelt F-O-C-U-S. I think it stands for family of churches up to something. What are we up to? By God's grace, 40 to 50 and counting churches that have been planted out from here. Together we're putting, God is putting a serious dent in the evangelization of the nation and the revitalization of the church, the transformation of society, of family on a mission. Shall we pray? Let's stand together.